This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Snigdha and with me today are two very promising young women journalists, one of whom has joined News Laundry as a reporter. Uh, let me welcome her first. Welcome to News Laundry, Supriti. Thanks, Nikta. Uh, so I'll just quickly tell you about Supriti. Uh, so Supriti has previously interned with the Hindu and the Citizen. Um, in fact, just last year she interned with News Laundry as well. Um, she was a part of the team that researched the two really important reports we published last year about caste and gender representation in Indian newsrooms. Uh, Supriti was born and brought up in Assam after which she left for Delhi and Pune to pursue her higher education. It was development and conflict journalism that drew her to uh, being a journalist. And at present, uh, she is leaning towards rural and environment beats. And her interests range from photography and poetry to petty YouTube drama. (laughs) Subriti, tell me about this petty YouTube drama. Oh, I I don't think you want to get into it. <laughs> it's it's when I say petty, I mean petty. <laughs> all right, we'll get to that later. Yeah. So um, while we've uh, all seen uh, that you could call it dismal coverage of Assam floods in most legacy media houses, Supriti recently wrote a report about how some local newspapers and news channels in Assam actually allowed the people struck by the tragedy to articulate their own stories and also held the government to account. And also joining us today is Janvi Upaleti. Uh, we've been, I've been wanting to get Janvi on Reporters for a long time. So thank you so much for finding time, Janvi. Thank you for uh, approaching me for this. Uh, so Janvi is an independent journalist and photographer. Her work primarily emphasizes on caste, culture and politics. Environment and wildlife are also her areas of interest and she is looking forward to pursuing them. Uh, so today we'll be talking to Janvi about her excellent story actually on first post which is titled The Undying Beat of the Dapu. How a traditional drum signifies dignity revolution for the Madiga community. And uh, so before we begin, I want to tell all the new listeners about News Laundry. Uh, we are a 100% ad-free news platform and we need your support to stay afloat. So please subscribe to us and pay to keep news free. Listeners, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, I urge you to go visit our website, uh, newslaundry.com. We have a bunch of ground reports and video interviews that I'm sure you'll enjoy. All right. So girls, shall we begin with some bizarre news stories? Sure. Who wants to go first? I'll do it. Yes, John V. Come on. Yes. So um, it's it's actually pretty repulsive (laughs) to even uh, even put it out there. But yeah. So um, I read on a first post or Instagram post today that this Hindu priest called P P Swami from Hmm. Ahmedabad passed Hmm. away due to COVID. So uh, this person very recently had a birthday celebration where he actually put his saliva into the prasad that was given out to his devotees. Yikes. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, yeah. So uh, this is apparently a tradition that he follows annually. 
and so uh, this year he passed out due to co uh, passed away sorry due to covid and um, uh, 10 other priests were also admitted in various hospitals so i yes. i mean i don't know uh, what else could be uh, more bizarre, bizarre in this country than uh, these priests performing strange rituals especially sure. especially in times like these when everybody is in, uh, you know uh, they're scared and uh, uh, but on the other end people are actually doing such stuff and yeah. going for it yeah right <laughs> yeah god is going to protect them i guess <laughs> i guess so <laughs> i guess so <laughs> all right uh, so sabriti so what about you so uh, my bizarre news piece is a little on the lighter side of things it's uh, a cat who was detained in the central uh, prison in sri lanka escaped uh, he was detained for allegedly smuggling drugs and cell phone sim cards to the inmates <laughs> um yeah. so he was also apparently carrying nearly 2 grams of heroin <laughs> and a memory chip which were around a small like in a small plastic bag that was tied around its neck and mm. it's escaped he's gone he's <laughs> lost gone without a trace so yeah and uh, earlier this week in mm. colombo only there was mm. a, an eagle who mm. was allegedly being used by drug traffickers to distribute narcotics in colombo <laughs> wow so, <laughs> a rise of um, yeah ingenious ways of yeah. drug smuggling yeah. you have to give it to them for coming <laughs> up with these ideas and taking so much trouble to train these animals exactly i, I mean cat imagine training cats and if people could train cockroaches i mean cats cats is not a big deal for them I that guess. i mean yeah that's all yeah. cockroaches yeah. can you tell us elaborate on, <laughs> a little more on that janvi I remember reading this from a very long time ago but I remember reading that cockroaches are trained to transport uh, drugs and cigarettes amongst uh, prison mates wow wow so i don't know how they train cockroaches <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what treats they must be using exactly it's, it's pretty it's pretty difficult training dogs i don't know how they train yeah. cockroaches <laughs> all right so i don't have any bizarre news in particular actually my bizarre news is about how bizarre news is today <laughs> as we record this because well um yeah because uh today is the foundation uh, laying day of uh, the ram mandir in ayodhya and um, we watched a little bit of tv news in the morning uh, the entire news laundry team and <laughs> <laughs> there are news anchors singing ram ji ke bhajan and they got like people like anuradha podwal and anup jalota to sing bhajans and basically like meghnath uh, very aptly put it on his um, in his tweet today he said uh, it's like watching aastha channel <laughs> yeah so that it's quite bizarre the coverage of the ram mandir foundation link ceremony and uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know, man. Like every day, every every week when we record reporters, and I'm looking for bizarre news. But it it always so happens that whatever we talk about, like the actual reports that we're discussing, they themselves are so bizarre. So I mean, last last week we were speaking to Ayush and Basant about uh, their reports on Delhi Police's investigation into the riots, mm-hmm. and the charge sheets are so bizarre. You know how Muslims have been. Uh, charge sheeted named for murdering Muslims mm. and so many loopholes and all of that so yeah listeners if you guys have missed that News Laundry Sena series I seriously suggest you go ahead to the website and check those stories out right away um, yeah. alright so let's get started uh, Jan we will begin with you um, okay uh, so could you could you uh, read out a bit from your story for us to begin with, I would like to give an introduction about the story itself. Yes. So uh, the story is about Dappu. It's mm-hmm. a sleek uh, single-faced instrument that is primarily made by the Madiga community in uh, Andhra Pradesh and Telangana. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also it's also uh, used in Tamil Nadu, Kerala. Uh, Karnataka and Maharashtra, but with different names, of course. So uh, this is a Dalit instrument and uh, the Madiga community is a community of, um, they are leather tanners, cobblers and animal scavengers. Right. So since they are, uh, the animal hide is very accessible to them, Hmm. I, I I belong to the same community. So uh, this particular piece, it, it's a story told by uh, um, my parents, my relatives, my uh, ancestors. Hmm. Uh, it's 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 a result of that history. Right. So uh, this particular instrument is an untouchable instrument. Uh, the community is untouchable and the art they produce is also untouchable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you would not find this in, this particular instrument in any uh, music instrument shops. Even if you go right. ask them, even if you go ask them, uh, they're going to make a face or they, they just won't take its name. They would rather say that they don't sell those kind of instruments. Right. Uh, Jani, mm-hmm. tell me something that uh, the, the same community also makes other instruments, right? Like uh, percussion instruments like uh, Mridangam and Tabla. No, 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 no. Oh? So uh, okay. we, uh, they, they prepare the uh, leather part of it, but they don't necessarily make, make the whole body. Okay. Okay, but processing uh, the skin that goes into all these instruments is also made by this particular community. But uh, when when the skin is used for those classical instruments, that is primarily uh, upper caste instruments. Yeah. This part of them uh, primitively made by many Dalit communities is erased off. Then, then it then it is not untouchable art. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's very it's very conveniently categorized. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And starting off by talking about the story, I would like to start off by this poem that 
uh, it's it's not sorry it's not a poem it's actually uh, a, a few lines from the story called malle moggula godugu by endluri sudhakar he is he is a prominent dalit telugu writer and a poet so uh, would you uh, would you want me to recite these lines in telugu first and give you a translation yeah, yeah. okay మన తాతలంతా చచ్చిపోయిండు యాడికి పోతారు మట్లోకి పోయినా తప్పెట్టు కొట్టాల్సిందే చెప్పులు గుట్టాల్సిందే ఆకాశంలోకి పోయినా మబ్బుల మీన నిలబడి డప్పులు కొట్టాల్సిందే సో ద ట్రాన్స్లేషన్ ఇస్ ఆల్ అవర్ ఆన్సెస్టర్స్ ఆర్ డెడ్ బట్ వాట్ డిఫరెన్స్ డజ్ ఇట్ మేక్ వేర్ దే ఆర్ అలైవ్ ఆర్ డెడ్ ఈవెన్ ఆఫ్టర్ బీయింగ్ బెరీడ్ ఇన్ ద గ్రౌండ్ they will still have to play the dappu and they will still have to sew shoes even if they soar to the skies they will have to stand on the clouds and play the dappu so this is the uh, these are few lines that i had quoted uh, in the beginning of the story because it actually sums up everything about this instrument and how integral it is uh, in in the part of madiga culture okay Janvi I just wanted to quickly ask you about uh, I think you grew up in a city right even though uh, you grew up I in actually, Hyderabad am I right No I actually grew up in Assam I grew up in Nazira oh, I see right uh, so I just wanted to ask you Janvi uh, uh, can you describe to us like for the story you went to this particular ghetto right uh, It's 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 the ghetto that uh, my grandparents house is in oh, Oh, I see. So yeah. can you can you tell us a little bit more about what life is like here uh, there? Um the the life right now uh, there in fact uh, my my what my parents say is it's not much different from how it was uh, when they were as, uh, kids because uh, not a lot of people got educated and not a lot of people uh, got, uh, I mean got exposure more than the ghetto most of them are uh, daily wage uh, uh, workers laborers mm. or they work on the field mm. when my parents were younger most people in the ghetto like i said they were animal scavengers they were cobblers they were leather tanners but right. uh, like i mentioned in my uh, story mm. right now uh, in the present animal hide is not easily available yeah. to dalit communities even though they scavenge animals they have to uh, they have to give away the uh, leather to government uh, associated mm-hmm. factories and stuff so it's not uh, leather is not easily available earlier it was not a luxury for them mm-hmm. leather was always there because uh, dead animals were not that uh, hard to find and a- everything that belonged to that particular animal belonged to these people so my families they ate meat of dead animals i mean after those animals were uh, thrown away they had to bring and then, because there was also a uh, very less accessibility of food right uh, so this particular ghetto like i was saying if you if you enter a madiga ghetto anywhere in telugu uh, especially in telangana a ghetto mm. is called a gudem okay 
గూడెం ఓకే మాదిగా గూడెం మాదిగా గేట్ వేసుకోవాలి మాదిగా గూడెం సో ఇఫ్ యూ ఎంటర్ మాదిగా గూడెం యూ కెన్ సో ఎవ్రీబడి ఎవ్రీబడి నాచురలీ ఓవర్ దేర్ ఈట్స్ బీఫ్ ఓకే అండ్ అవర్ అవర్ పర్టికులర్ గెటో హ్యాస్ అన్ ఇంట్రెస్టింగ్ స్టోరీ సో బిఫోర్ ఇట్ వాస్ కాల్డ్ మాదిగా గూడెం ఓన్లీ బై ఎవ్రీ వన్ అండ్ దెన్ పీపుల్ ఓవర్ దేర్ దే స్టార్టెడ్ ఫీలింగ్ అషేమ్డ్ బికాస్ వేర్ ఎవర్ దే వెంట్ దే కుడెంట్ టెల్ వేర్ దే వర్ ఫ్రమ్ సో దే ప్రెసెంటెడ్ దిస్ రిక్వెస్ట్ ఇన్ ఫ్రంట్ ఆఫ్ ద మున్సిపాలిటీ దట్ దే వాంట్ టు గెట్ దేర్ నేమ్ చేంజ్డ్ రైట్ సో సో వెన్ దే ప్రెసెంటెడ్ దిస్ దే స్టార్టెడ్ గోయింగ్ ఓవర్ నేమ్స్ అండ్ దెన్ దిస్ దిస్ థింగ్ వేర్ దే నేమ్ స్ట్రీట్స్ ఆఫ్టర్ ఫ్రీడమ్ ఫైటర్స్ అండ్ పీపుల్ లైక్ దాట్ సో అంబేద్కర్ నగర్ వాస్ గాన్ అండ్ దట్స్ ద మోస్ట్ ప్రిఫర్డ్ నేమ్ ఫర్ అ దలిత్ గెటో ఆల్వేస్ సో జగ్జీవన్ రామ్స్ నేమ్ వాజ్ ఆల్రెడీ గాన్ and uh, uh, so they didn't know what to keep and somebody suggested just name it bapuji nagar and th- back then nobody mm. knew how problematic gandhi was in terms of anti caste work yes yes, yeah. yes. Mm. okay so they mm. agreed to naming it bapuji nagar without knowing uh, what's the story behind it or anything else they just wanted to get get it done with because they didn't want to feel ashamed about telling where they came from years after they realized what big mistake they've done but now it's not uh, really possible for them to change the name and people yeah people tend to forget also and they just moving mm-hmm. along but interestingly not lot of people call the place bapuji nagar they still call it madiga gudam uh, janvi tell me something uh, when did you know since like you said you know um, the community always dealt with the uh, uh carcasses of dead animals so uh every part of the animal was uh available to them and they made use of each and every part right when did this change like you know when did the government come in and when did uh, the uh, the very thing that they survive on become inaccessible to them um when uh, municipality rules getting uh, this uh, started getting stronger you know i mean the command over municipal workers mm. and uh, leather also started booming as a business okay as soon as leather started booming as a business all these things never are the artists or uh, uh, workers who actually work in that area they are never credited you have these big leather emporiums where you have leather bags leather shoes but all of those uh, you have artists behind them who are working and all of those people are dalit uh, people mm. Mm. but they are never credited for it and the business is always done by upper caste people so that is not possible if uh, dalit people get to have their hide right so slowly it kept happening and uh, our our town is a very small town and uh, slowly it became a municipality in which uh, it's not very difficult getting hide in our town but it's very difficult getting it in the cities that's why uh, slowly uh, dappu started becoming synthetic not a lot of people use uh, skin because it's mm. not uh, so available or they can't process skin in cities uh, ghettos in cities are uh, they're even more compact 
small towns and villages at least you know you have space to breathe so you can you can get your work done and also one more aspect of a madiga ghetto in in fact uh, any other uh, dalit ghetto in as much as i know in telangana and andhra you'll find um thin pieces of uh, meat especially beef meat mm-hmm. hanging over um sling just to uh, they're getting sun dried outside every everybody's houses and there this is only uh, done by dalit communities so back when i was a kid i was supposed to keep mum about this i was not supposed to talk about it uh, to anybody else because they'll understand what we are and who we are so we would secretly eat all of this at home and just say we had chicken right 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 i mean uh, actually sundrying meat is quite prevalent in uh, in the northeast also northeast also yeah, also, yeah. yeah. but uh, in the northeast um, uh, you don't have dynamic- to hide it exactly the dynamics yeah. of it is uh, uh, different from uh, yeah. how this happens and the reason why uh, it was always dried is because they need protein and uh, it's not daily that they get a animal that's killed or mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sacrifice right so that's how it right. is done uh janvi can you uh, give us a little a brief history of the dapu and how significant it is for the madiga community and also uh, tell us how it is made yeah sure in fact uh, let me uh, read out that part which describes it yes please yeah so um, though it may look simplistic the process of making this percussion instrument is time intensive and requires a great deal of patience depending on the thickness of the skin we would decide if it has to be tanned for shoes or dapus extremely thick skin is used to make the sole of a footwear thinner versions are used for dapus and the straps of dapus we would put together different components of the meat so uh, this per, like i said there are two kinds of uh, skins that are used in their daily lives and one which is thicker is usually uh, used for the sole of uh, footwear shoes or chappal or anything mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the thinner versions are used for dapus and uh, the straps the straps which are tied to their uh, uh, i mean the straps that are used for chappals Mm-hmm. to hold them together yeah so uh, like i said dappu is a circular single faced sleek instrument mm. so it has a circular frame and this particular frame is made with tamarind or neem wood okay and mm. uh, it's usually called gundu in telangana and palaka in andhra pradesh okay. okay the frame is tightly covered by the skin which is processed with chalk and tangerine wood the skin is then stuck to the wooden frame with an adhesive mm. composed of tamarind seeds they actually uh, soak oh. these yeah they soak these seeds wow. in uh, water for a very long time and then it produces adhesive so mm-hmm. they, they apply this to act as an uh, a, a component of uh, adhesive and then this is tied to the frame 
with a thin string to make it firm the skin is tied to the frame okay the instrument is then exposed to fire to tighten the edges where the skin may have hung loose from the frame mm. so um, even when playing the dappu it's very often uh, exposed to fire because skin expands mm. and oh, yeah. uh, it tightens so uh, if there's a weather change or anything dappu will start sounding very strange then oh. you take it to the a fire and then uh, the instrument is tightened then you get a very nice sound oh wow <laughs> yeah uh, dappu is also used to make in- uh, announcements around the village right. so any any kind of circumstance even if it is uh, a uh, pandemic a war or anything the madiga has to go out with this dappu and make announcements in the village and this was seen during covid also oh yeah this was seen during covid also a madiga man was going around in his village making announcements when everybody was uh, in their houses locked up also uh, janvi i just wanted to uh, say that um, like you know at the beginning you said that this is uh, all the stories and the uh, information that you used for this you got primarily primarily from your family uh, and i feel i felt that while i was reading it that saw that sense of um, you know an intimate uh, and you know very delicate dealing it's it was actually on my mind since uh, a very long time because uh, in my in my family or in most madiga families you'll find dappu in every celebration and even in uh, uh, sadness also okay mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a very integral part and all my uh, uh, all my family members they know how to play a dappu especially mm-hmm. the men women women um, uh, i hope more of us come up and they start playing the dappu mm-hmm. but uh, most men my father my uncles my grandfather everybody so it's something that is present in every celebration before we get to supriti's story uh, could you could you highlight the social and political importance of the dappu uh, especially during the movement because uh, like i was talking to you while we were talking yesterday you mentioned how it uh, was used during the uh, movement for telangana right correct yeah so can you can you talk a little bit about that um so i'll start off, not only uh, in the telangana resistance so uh, dappu was a very integral instrument inside the community i mean we used to play it for others and uh, for our funerals and rituals mm. but uh, after 1980s uh there was this huge outbreak of dalit uh, resistance in telang uh, back then it was uh, unified andhra pradesh mm-hmm. after the karam chedu massacre okay karam chedu is a village in andhra pradesh and uh, uh, dalits were killed and beaten up uh, by kamma landlords kamma is a uh, is an upper caste community mm-hmm. and uh, the telugu desam party mm. uh, is very very kamma dominated 
and um, these people they tortured raped and sexually assaulted uh, many women there and they killed people it was a massacre and uh, in 1991 mm. uh, reddy and the naidu the kapu community landlords brutally had eight dalits to death in chunduru this is also a village in andhra pradesh so uh, these two massacres were uh, primarily the reason of an outrage and a resistance had begun from there in the, in this area uh, so uh, these both of these incidents had heavy backing up from telugu desam party because uh, the perpetrators belong to uh, late nt amara who is the founder of uh, telugu desam party and they had covered up for them now now they are roaming around very uh, freely so this was one of the reasons why uh, dalit identity became very important and people started proudly showing what our identity meant and uh, any any rallies that were taken they composed of elements that belong to dalit culture that is dappu it can be mm-hmm. seen and it's loud so uh, singing to a dappu or uh, marching to a dappu made a lot of impact so uh, and also in 1994 in the madiga community many people from the madiga community they had actually taken to the roads asking for categorization of scheduled caste uh, reservations because again as much as we would like to believe that there is no hierarchy amongst uh, uh, dalits there uh, there is a hierarchy amongst the dalit communities also so um, that that's that, that's how uh, we need to understand that's how uh, deep rooted casteism is mm. people who are affected again uh, look at their own Uh, people as someone uh, inferior right right mm. right so mm. uh, madiga communities uh, people came out asking for a categorization and this particular uh, movement uh, was called madiga dandora dandora means announcement so a process of announcing and all these rallies were taken out processions were taken out with so many dappus and and it was fantastic to even think about uh, roads filled with people playing dappus and uh, mm. shouting slogans so mm. that was that was very important and throughout telangana's resistance coming back to what smita was talking about mm. many uh, communist leaders back then Mm. and also people who were fighting for telangana even if they were dalit or not people coming from baujan communities also mm. they uh, started learning how to play dappu and they started singing songs with dappu because this instrument was very powerful in making a statement okay uh, my my favorite uh, revolutionary singer is gadar and uh, all his songs have a presence of dappu he plays dappu and uh, he makes sure his songs have dappu and this instrument it enriches everything that he says it's it's very uh, powerful to watch him perform also that's how uh, the instrument uh, took space in these uh, areas and it started becoming a symbol of revolution in that way uh thank you so much for talking to us uh 
uh, January. It was uh, really nice and we learned so much. Um, now coming to your uh, story, Supriti. Yeah. Uh, listeners, uh, I, I suggest you read this story. Uh, it is titled Assam Floods, How the Local Media Gave Space for Affected People to Articulate Their Stories. And you'll find a report on newslaundry.com. Uh, now, Supriti, you are uh, how you are in Assam right now. Yes. Uh, what are things like as of uh, now? As of now, uh, the rains have thankfully stopped. Mm. Uh, there haven't been; uh, it hasn't been raining for the past week, which is good because you need uh, time for the floodwaters to recede and things to go back to normal, mm. at least some state of normalcy. The mm. Uh, another thing, the Bagjan fire, I want to yes. uh, just uh, talk about that. That uh, That's still raging. Uh, I can see it from where I live and it's still raging, even though they mm. had said that they would cap it by yesterday, but mm. um, it hadn't been capped till last night. So I'll mm. see again today, but that's still happening. So, yeah. Right. Think, yeah. Um, so, Supriti, can you list because you were talking about local media's coverage um can you list the major differences you noticed between the coverage of the floods by the national media and the um, local media so uh i think uh, so the floods in assam i don't think are uh, you know they're not new like they happen yeah. every year mm-hmm. and uh i feel like when uh what this is what i've noticed is that when uh, mainstream quote-unquote media uh, you know re- like reports it it's more uh, in like the tone of the mon like the monsoons have come like you know it's something as uh, uh, routine and as mm. uh, you know it's like that it's, mm. uh, it's not very there's not a lot of emphasis given to the details of at the end of the day the Assam floods are a tragedy because you see a family they uh, live you know they have to rebuild their lives from scratch mm-hmm. every single year they have uh, you know they're living uh, close to the rivers there's massive erosion which nobody really talks about in mainstream media where when flood flood waters when they affect like you know a person's house it'll recede and some semblance of like you know uh, like they can go back to maybe rebuilding that their homes in that area but then when there's erosion of like paddy fields and when agriculture is a huge part of the economy here and mm. you have paddy fields it's just eroding away then how how do you like the what I'm essentially saying is that the emphasis on the human aspect of, you know, the floods is mm. very uh, often just skipped by right. media. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, since uh, you had been following local media, um, uh, you know, regularly, uh, is there any story, that, uh, you know, of somebody affected by a family affected by the floods or a person that has really, you know, that really um, sort of, you know, affected you and uh, you remember? Yeah. So uh, if it's OK, I'll read out uh, from my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's OK. Sure. Yeah. So uh, this is one of the, uh, this is the highest circulated uh, English daily in uh, Assam. It's called Mm. the Assam Tribune. And uh, they, so uh, out of all the local, like the most popular local media that I had been following, I found that the Assam Tribune had the most, uh, you know, in-depth, consistently in-depth reportage of like on-ground realities. 
and uh, they had covered a story on um, July 16th mm-hmm. uh, so i'll just read it out um, on july 16th uh, when the highest number of people nearly 40 lakh were affected by the floods the newspapers correspondent reported from gwalpara the worst affected district in assam traveling through inundated areas of uh, badlamari char the report said uh, and i quote from the a uh, correspondence report this correspondent saw thousands of marooned people a majority of them still living in their houses submerged by rising water and unwilling to move out to safer places for fear that unknown persons or thieves may target and decamp with valuables from their homes a section of the flood victims complained that they were scared to leave the place and move to relief camps for fear of losing their dwellings and identity right yeah so and uh, so it's stories like so you remember i'm sure nobody's um, you know forgotten that uh, the entire um, citizenship uh, amendment act and you need yeah. your papers and you need you know uh, the, the aadhar is no longer like it's never mm. not going to serve as a, a proof of identity and here you have very a very you know poignant um, story where these families they their uh, essential you know uh, fear is that they lose their identity they can't move they they're scared to yeah. leave like you know even though the house is submerged and they are living with their cattle in like cow sheds they'd rather stay close to where they are and where their possessions are than you know go to a relief camp right. so it's stories like that that really like you know Right. I mean, identity uh, for for them, identity is so deeply associated with the land and not just exactly, not like yeah. a piece of paper. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so pretty. Uh, uh, you know, it is only after calamity is hit that you get to know the actual extent of damage and how people can uh, be helped. Um, uh, you know, coverage of the aftermath of the floods is, I would say, bare minimum in mainstream yeah. media. right yeah. mm-hmm. so is the local media reporting on it extensively and uh, can you tell us a little more about uh, what's happening right now so uh, right now i think um, they are still uh, so the thing is even though the flood waters are receding there are a lot of people still in uh, relief camps so there are there is a lot of reportage still from uh, you know people who are in relief camps and um you know uh, people who are trying to rebuild their lives again so local media is still covering that uh, yeah right uh what is the situation like in relief camps supriti so uh, even though i haven't had an opportunity yet to actually visit uh, a relief camp for myself what i can tell you from uh, like local media coverage we've done in depth coverage of this is that uh, they even like there are circulars obviously that are uh, that have laid out like parameters as to maintaining social distancing and how mm. the elderly and the young have to be you know specific like specially uh, separated and all of that Hmm. uh i i think um there is a huge uh, uh you know they are trying their best i would say but then hmm. the the another, so another thing that i noticed while i was doing research for the story hmm. is hmm. that the proportion of uh, like number of relief camps uh, allotted to an area 
to like you know the population affected is hmm. like extremely skewed so uh, essentially there would be for example uh, in dibrugarh there were for instance more than 5000 people affected hmm. but there was only one uh, relief camp and uh, but then that relief camp had only eight people staying there so this is according to the uh, assam uh, asdma which is the assam state uh, disaster hmm. management authority hmm. so they give out like uh, you know they give out daily reports on uh, e number of people affected uh, number of relief camps inmates in the relief camps and stuff like that so mm. it was very interesting to see that if for example even if there are not a lot of uh, people coming to the relief camp for mm. various reasons to mm. have just one for 5000 people is yeah. like you know the logic behind that escapes me completely right right um all right so i think that brings us to the end of the podcast um thank you both so much for your time and uh, shall we finish off with some recommendations oh yes i would like to recommend a poem but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't published anywhere uh it's it's on the poet's uh, instagram handle though i see okay can you can you tell us the name of the handle uh their name is shripad sinakar okay and uh, he has written this beautiful he's he's a beautiful poet and has written few poems which are uh, very heartwarming for me and mm-hmm. they're very beautiful so now uh, i was asking him to get this published but uh, he refuses to do so but i might as well uh, recommend it here so the sure. the the poem doesn't really have a name mm-hmm. so i can't tell you the name but i can give you the poet's name so his name is shripad sinakar he's on okay. twitter and instagram we'll check we'll check his profile out yeah. thank you so much janvi and supriti uh yeah so i thought i'd uh, recommend a poem that's uh two poems actually uh one the first one is uh, the love song of j alfred prufrock by t s eliot mm-hmm. uh i'm recommending this because uh, i feel like every time i read it uh i i'm suddenly like i'm reminded again of how uh you know impactful um how you can paint with words and which is exactly what i felt when i read uh, janvi's story i mean i yeah. wasn't very clear in articulating that earlier but right. uh Thank you. really like you know it takes a lot of um you know it takes a sort of you need to have this intimate um connection with words i want to say but right, right. uh yeah i think that i want to recommend that and so that there's some um beauty that can be brought into your day through this poem uh and the second poem i want to recommend is uh, is called viva emergencies by buddy wakefield um this is again a really beautiful poem that i'm sure a lot of people will enjoy thank you supriti Um so my recommendation this week is Janvi's uh, other article that she recently wrote for uh, Vice uh, India and uh, it is titled Roasted Wing Termites are my favorite monsoon snack even if others might not find it appropriate so Janvi uh, so 
roasted termites are a popular snack in the in uh, Madiga community. Um, and Janvi talks about, you know, her childhood memories associated. And it's beautifully written. And it also highlights how um, the popular discourse around food in India is um, so dominated by upper castes, right? Mm, right. Um, and uh, it also reminded me of the recent do- uh, dog meat ban in Nagaland. Yeah. Uh, you know, so these are examples of how, um, you know, we really need to change the conversation around food and bring all the diversity that exists, you know, into the conversation. And uh, yeah, I suggest you read this uh, Thank article. you. <laughs> Thank you for suggesting. Also, uh, adding to it, it's it's not only integral in Madiga community, but also the other uh, Dalit, Bhaujan and Adivasi uh, communities. Right. So anyways, uh, right. since I, I come from the community, and that was more of a personal memoir. Yes. Yeah. A very beautifully written, Janvi. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. Um, so, listeners, if you liked what you heard, please rate our podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're tuned into. Uh, we also have a bunch of other podcasts like Hafta and Awful and Awesome. Better the rating, more the reach, and that means more subscribers, and that in turn means better content. So, um, also please write to us. We're very eager to hear your feedback. Um, and uh, you can write to us at contact at newslaundry.com with reporters without orders in the subject line. And you can also leave your comments on Twitter. Okay, also, uh, before I end, I want to thank uh, A, who wants to be anonymous, uh, for their letter. And thank you so much for your comments. And um, yes, uh, about the Kanye West episode, uh, it was quite bizarre. And at that point, uh, I was not aware uh, that he is suffering from bipolar disorder, and uh, we I read it out as a part of bizarre news, so that might have sounded a bit insensitive. Uh, so yes, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you so much for writing to us, and I will pass on your uh, comments to Basant and Ayush as well. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.